Isn't God good? God is good. He is really good. Just a couple of things I need to say. Thank you very much for your kind invitation to come here and uh, to speak to you. It is a privilege. And um, I'd like to just say that I really do want Forrest to win today. I do. I want Forrest to win today because my son-in-law is a West Ham supporter and so are my grandsons. And it is a constant battle. So I really do. And also... As they're not going to get anything else for the rest of the season, I'd like them to have a little bit of a cup run. That's good. Okay. I had to take my television back to Curry's. I thought there was a problem with it because um, Forrest were at the top of the screen instead of the bottom. So I said to the guy, I said, what should I do about this? He said, well, don't worry. It'll rectify itself very soon. So have I not used that one here before? You've heard me use it, have you? Oh, right. Well, you won't have heard this sermon, because I'm just going to make it up as I go along. <laughs> so, um, that is good. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter, uh, Acts chapter 11. Luke, where did that come from? Acts, he wrote it. Acts 11. I'd like to talk to you about um, a very famous church in the Bible. Um, a church at Antioch. And um, we, people used to, I don't hear it so much now, they used to talk about the New Testament church. That's what we want. We want to get the New Testament church, and when we have what they call the New Testament church, our problems will all be solved. The only problem with having a New Testament church is you need New Testament people to go in it. And we can work really hard on our structures, and we can even fall out about them and all sorts of things, but at the end of the day, any church is only as good as the spirituality of the people. That includes the leaders, it includes everyone. So I'd like us just to look at this church at Antioch and, and just see if there's some clues that might help us be more effective for God in this coming year. Okay, so you should have found um, Acts 11. I'm going to read from verse, um, verse 19 to 26, unless I stop before. Okay. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church at Jerusalem, that's head office, and they sent Barnabas uh, to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. When Barnabas went to Troas to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. I have another reading in chapter 13, but we'll just look at that one. What I'd like to do this morning, I'd like to look at this church's beginning. I'd like us to see where they were at this time. Then I'd like to just maybe give a clue as to the future. Every church has a history. You have a history. I'm amazed how some of you are still here, really, because, I mean, you must be knocking on, some of you. 
No, honestly, I mean, it is amazing. So some of you are probably here, if not at the beginning, at what was nearly the beginning anyway. And um, so old churches have a beginning. Some churches are birthed through a, a, a crusade. Some are birthed through a number of Christians getting together. All churches have a history, a beginning. The Derby Church, where I pastored for a while, that began with a crusade. Uh, Percy Brewster did a crusade. But the answer was that when Lewis came as the first pastor, and he established it there. In fact, if you go back to Derby now, they can't remember me. They go straight back to Wynn. They just jump me and go straight to Wynn because he did such a, a tremendous job. So every church has a history. It has a beginning and it has a thing. And this church is beginning. It seems strange. It says in verse 19, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia. So this church had its beginning in a martyrdom. It had its beginning in a martyrdom. It didn't have its beginning in a crusade. And the, Luke tells us quite simply that because of the persecution that took place when Stephen, the first martyr, when he was stoned to death, it was born there. Because of that, people were scattered. They went to the Jews because they believed that the gospel was for the Jews. They, they hadn't twigged that Jesus had come to die for the world. And later on, some went to Antioch. But the beginning of this church, I believe, was in martyrdom, where Stephen had died, and also not in that, in that martyrdom, but in that persecution that came out from it. One little thing I'd like to say now. People must have known that they were Christians to have persecuted them. Being a Christian in Acts was a very difficult thing. People were out to persecute you. Saul, we know later, would be, would be part of that system of persecution. So this church were born out of people who had lived the Christian life in such a way that it brought persecution. Now please, I don't think we want persecution. I've heard people say daft things like, what the church needs is persecution and then it'll get spiritual. Please, I've never prayed that prayer because I might be the one persecuted. And you know, they might be thinking of others. But out of that persecution, out of that death of Stephen... These people went out. They were scattered. Is that lovely word there? They were scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen. And they came. So its origins were in a persecution, not in a crusade, but they went. It tells us in that verse is also that as they went, they did something about it. It says there, um, telling the message only to the Jews. So this group of people that came out, weren't perfect. They'd, got, they'd made a major, a big mistake here. They thought the gospel was just for the Jews. I'm not going to criticize them, but they hadn't understood fully what was happening. The influence of Judaism in the early church at this point was very, very strong. They'd had thousands of years of it, being told, you are the chosen, you are the chosen, and they couldn't twig that God had decided to allow Gentiles like you and me in. So its origin was in this persecution and its birth, as it were, was telling the message. As they went, it says there, telling the message only to the Jews. And then we're told that some others broke out. Some radicals, some people who really didn't fit the pattern, weren't keeping to the constitution. They broke out and began to talk to Greeks. And because of that entrepreneurial Christian spirit, as it were, that breaking out, talking to the Gentiles, talking to the men of Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks, telling the good news about Jesus. 
And a church must have, at its beginning and throughout its life, a desire to tell people about Elam. No. It's to tell people about Jesus. Elam has never saved anyone. Oasis has never saved anyone. But Jesus Christ will do it a million times today around the world. Telling people about Jesus. And I have no criticism in my heart at all, I can assure you. Apart from maybe to the forest supporters, but that doesn't count. No criticism at all. But friends, in this coming year, let's tell people about Jesus. You say, well, Gordon, I'm not as extrovert as you. Please, make this your prayer. Pray every day, Lord, if you open the door for me to share my faith, I'll walk through it. Now, you'll be brave enough if you know God's opening the door in that way. So this church's beginnings, it was past was in, in, in a, a, um, a, an evangelistic work. I, I try not to use the word revival, but some would use that word. It tells us in verse 21 that the Lord's hand was with them. Because they did as they were told, because they preached, because they told people about Jesus, Scripture tells us the Lord's hand was with them, and the result of that, a great number of people believed. So this church had its beginning as a persecution, in evangelism, personal evangelism, and breaking out of the mold, speaking to the Gentiles. A great number of people believed. And then in verse 23, we tell, it tells us that when Barnabas arrived, sent from head office to check out what was happening, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. I wonder what that was. What was the evidence of the grace of God? Here was Barnabas. He'd come down to Antioch because Gentiles were leaving. Greeks. And who shouldn't have been part of, they weren't part of the original covenant. Of course they weren't. He came down to investigate and he said this was, it was, a, it was evident that the grace of God was upon them. Please let me start with me. <laughs> Don't answer this because I'm feeling a bit fragile today. Is it evident that the grace of God is upon my life? We'll say, well, you're a preacher. I didn't say that. Anybody, well, I'd be talking whether I was a Christian or not. Is it evident that the grace of God is upon Gordon Neal? Is it evident that the grace of God is upon this church? Because I'll tell you this, you have a great band, but there might be better worship in another church. There might be better this, better that. They're certainly having a better preacher this morning than the one you've got. But I'll tell you this, what impresses people who don't know Jesus is that it is evident that the grace of God is upon us. Now, how that's worked out in your life, I don't know. But I'd like you to make that your New Year's resolution. That this year, it will be evident that the grace of God saw the evidence of the grace of God upon your life and upon this church. By we forgive, how we love, how we care, how we tell other people. That's an evidence of the grace of God. It isn't that you're just a nicer person. You won't believe this, but I'm a nicer person than I was for knowing Jesus. Aren't you grateful you didn't know me before? I can remember when I was in Bible college, I, um, I had to work. They, they wouldn't give me... I wrote for a grant. This is back in 1968. I wrote to the council. The council, I got a letter back saying, if you'd have wanted to study, why did you get put out of school? No grant. So somebody had gone on some 
found out that I'd been asked to leave school. And I worked at a swimming pool during the holidays. And it was in Northolt in West London. And it was a brilliant place to work. Absolutely brilliant. Loads of sermon illustrations. But, and I can remember the first day I went to work there. And somebody was taking the mickey out of me a bit, teasing. What had happened was there was a student doctor there. I was a student at Bible College. And this fella called Jim was teasing. He said, oh, it marvel? He says, I'll drag him out of the water. The doctor can't revive him. This fella can bury him. <laughs> that was a sort of the banter. And a voice said this from behind the, the door. I hadn't seen him sat there. said, leave him alone. I knew him before he was a Christian. Do you know, I felt brilliant. Somebody knew me. Someone was drawing the comparison between what I was and what I was trying to be now. In this swimming pool, I can remember that part of my responsibilities was that if people came in who were a danger to other people, little children that had a drink or something, we had to throw them out. It's a true story, this. I had to get asked three lads to leave. They, they were a danger to the little ones. And that was part of my responsibility. And they wouldn't go. And I'm a Christian. I'm 17, 18 years of age. I, I, you know, so they're, they're thinking I'm easy, right? And this Jim saw this and walked around. This is a true story. He walked around. And he said to these lads, he, he said, has he, has he asked you to leave? They said, yeah. And then a load of expletives. He said, well, listen, let me tell you now. He said, he's a Christian and he doesn't believe in violence. I'm not a Christian and I do. Now, if John Wayne had said that, or Clint Eastwood, it's a classic, wasn't it? Now, what Jim did next, I can't tell you. But after a few minutes, I asked him to stop doing it to them. You know, the, the evidence of the grace of God. Are you different? Is this church different? Why should people come to this church, other churches? Why should they come? Because it's Oasis? Big deal. Because you're part of the ELA movement. They're totally uninterested in that. They want to see the evidence of the grace of God on your life. They're not perfect, but I tell you what, he hasn't always been a Christian. They haven't always been like that, but they're trying. Okay, so that's their past. Their past was in the persecution. Their means was in the spreading the message. The Lord's hand was on them. Great numbers believed. There was the evidence of the grace of God. And in verse 29, they provided support for Jerusalem when they were in trouble. That was their past. But what about their present? Well, we come to chapter 13 now, if I may. Just turn over the page to chapter 13. That's how they started. They started in persecution, in evangelism, and the grace of God upon their lives. And it says there in chapter 13, the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. So their present condition was very strong because they had what I'm going to call balance. They had balance because it tells us by chapter 13, their past was in that revival, people getting saved, breaking out of the mold, the Greeks coming in. We have a Gentile church, marvelous. But what's happening now? What condition are they in at this present time? Well, there were prophets and teachers so here we have a church that although it was relatively new, God had given them this balance between prophet, the Spirit of God, and teacher, 
the Word of God? Was it any wonder this church was going to go forward? Was it any wonder this church was going to be established? Because they had that balance between the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in balance. And it's seen in the fact that they're acknowledging that within this group there were prophets and teachers. It also tells that there was someone there who was brought up um, with Herod. Now, none of the Herods were nice. And I can never work out which one this was, but I know this, he wasn't nice. So even on this leadership team of Ephesians 4 Ministries, we have someone who really had a terrible start in life in Herod's house. And so this church's present condition was very good. They had the Word, they had the Spirit, they had the Spirit, and they had the Word. They were teaching and they were receiving ministry from the Holy Spirit. But we go on a little bit further from that. It tells that they were worshipping. They were worshipping while they were worshipping. And it was quite seriously they were worshipping the Lord. They'd got that right. They'd realized that they were not only worshipping the Lord and they were fasting. In other words, they were taking the Christian life seriously. Now, I have some quite controversial views about fasting. Well, I don't really. I think I got them from George Canty. Uh, but... Um, But let me tell you this, fasting to me says that these people were taking their spiritual life seriously. Now that isn't to put a burden on you. I'm not saying unless you fast, you're not taking your Christian life seriously. No, I don't. Your pastor will tell you what you need to know about fasting. I won't. His theology on fasting is perfect. And if it's not, I can help him. No, it's not. But this word fasting, taking it serious. This church is not a new church. You've been established a long, long time. The, 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 the heady days of the church plant are well and truly gone. What are we like today? Word and spirit? Yes. Worshipping? Yes. Taking things seriously? This is illustrated by fasting? Yes. We have got to realize that our beginnings are of no use to us today. None at all. I used to have hair. But it's gone. It's gone. It went after I got married. (laughs) Let that be a warning to young men in this room. You've obviously got a dead easy time at home. Mind you, it's going grey, isn't it? Friends. The scattering, Stephen's death, the Lord being with them, the evidence of God's grace in the beginning has gone. Have we got the word and the spirit today? I, I, please, you, you're a worshipping church. Fasting, it says they, they prayed. They linked fasting and prayer. And then they were listening. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Now, the problem with that verse is this. I have been in a meeting where three different people have heard the Holy Spirit say three different things. I was sadly in a meeting once where we had to uh, stand a minister down and there was a bit of controversy about who should the next minister be. And for better or worse, the elders, the national leadership team, probably more important I had, decided that this particular person was not going to take over the church. And 
there was a group in the church who were very unhappy with that decision made by about, I think there was about 20 people involved in the decision in the end, but I don't mind. I was, I was going to be the, the place they attacked. That's not a problem at all. And a lady stood up and said, what if the Holy Spirit wants this man to take over? I just said, he won't. I'm not going to be intimidated by that. Dear me. And then someone said, what if there's a prophecy he should take over the church? And I just said, well, when you sit down, I'm going to stand up and prophesy he shouldn't. You see, friends, we've got to be very careful when we attribute God's name to what we are saying or doing. We really have to be very careful. Because I've seen, and I've got no reason to say, I've seen people's lives wrecked because someone has said to them, God has told me, the Holy Spirit has said, in the Derby church, there was a man there who went to a meeting. And somebody, if I ever get hold of him, I tell you what, I could lose my pension what I'd do to this fella. Told this man that God had told him he was to be my next assistant. Bob opened no hope, let me tell you. He came to me and said, God's told me I'd be your next assistant. I said, he's not told me, but though you don't think that I'm somehow being arrogant about this, I shall ask the elders because maybe I'm missing something, and I'm going to call him Charlie, and his name wasn't Charlie. And the reason I'm so angry about this, <laughs> Charlie and I were very good friends. And the elder said, he, he wouldn't keep up with you 10 minutes, Gordon. By the first tea break on Monday, this man would be exhausted, let alone seeing the week out with you. It ain't going to happen. Do you know that man spent the rest of his life, he's with the Lord now, he spent the rest of his life sitting in church looking at me as if I was the blooming devil. Because I didn't make him my assistant. Because somebody had told him that God had said it was right. The person who told him that wants to get shot. It was, no, Christians don't do that. Do that wasn't an evidence of the grace of God on my life, was it? <laughs> That person wants to have their mouth gaffer, gaffer taped till the rapture. <laughs> Friends, in this, notice what happened. It says there, the, while they were worshipping and they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them. And if you notice the chronology here, it says, that the, what did the Holy Spirit say? It said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, the Holy Spirit spoke to the whole group and yet they still fasted and prayed to check it out. Every sermon I've preached, let me please, I'm not being, trying to be macho here. If I'm saying anything you believe is unbiblical, have a word with me at the door. Don't ring me up when I get home or when I'm watching the football results are coming in. She just cancelled her season ticket for next season. Um, we've got to be very careful. And God speaks, but it has to be measured and weighed. You see, please, you can't be in a hurry with some decisions that have to be made. You have to hear God. You fast and pray, you hear God, you fast and pray again to make sure you've heard God. Nothing wrong in that. Oh, well, not a lot of faith in that, Gordon, is there? God expects you to step out. Oh, dear. Anyway, 
So their present condition was very, very strong. They were born in revival. They had the Ephesians 4 ministries, prophets and teachers. They were worshipping, they were fasting, and they were listening. So what was their future? If their past was in the revival, if their present condition was spiritual and godly, what was their future? Verse 13 gives it to there. Um, so after in fact, they placed their hands on them and sent them off, they had a future because they were prepared to release ministry. Now, please, do you know what? I've never been asked to sing in church. Never. I thought I'd be singing at the gathering. I really did. Because, I mean, some of them singers, I mean, you know. Do you know why I've never been asked to sing? I can't. Do you know why you've never been asked to preach? Because you can't. Do you know why you've not been asked to be an elder or deacon? Because you couldn't. But there's other things you can do. So do I sit at home thinking, oh, I've never been asked to sing? I think, no, if people let me speak, I'll preach and I'll get on with that, which I'm told, apart from here, is quite acceptable. (laughs) It's obviously been a bad morning. You're all still hungover, you sinners. Um, But the Holy Spirit said, set them apart. What? For the work to which I have called them. Their future was in looking around the church and thinking, well, I tell you, if you couldn't spot Paul and Barnabas had a ministry, you'd be daft, wouldn't you? I mean, he's the guy that came from head office to check them out. He's the guy that took Saul when everybody else was frightened of him, nurtured him, you know, and brought him through a nurture group and all the rest of it, mentored him, all the modern words. Barnabas was doing it all before we ever knew Maxwell. Their future was in recognizing ministry and releasing it. But they released it because the Holy Spirit said. So you could come up this morning and say, God's, God's told us that you're to go on the road as a gospel singer. I would say to you, I don't know what you're on, but stop taking it because it's sending you daft. There are things that are obvious. You say, well, you know, I, I think God's calling me to be a pastor. Please. Nobody likes you because you don't like them. You're horrible. You're crotchety, bad-tempered, critical, and you think God's calling you to be a pastor. It's difficult to be a pastor when you're perfect like us. (laughs) It's the obvious, friends. Now, here's the most liberating thing I'm going to say this morning. Unless you've heard different, you're in the will of God. Unless you've heard different, you're in the will of God. Say, oh, what does God want me to do? Well, until he tells you, keep doing what you're doing and try and do it better and forgive people quicker. And you'll get through. The past, martyrdom, persecution, gossiping the gospel, the present condition, strong, word, spirit, prayer, fasting, worship, great. But their future was in that generosity of spirit that could get bring the two top guys in the room. Imagine being the pastor there. And God said to you, release these two guys. You're thinking, oh, why? I was going to retire and these guys are the guys going to take over. I was going to go on a mission trip. But Lord, why? 
But they had a generosity of spirit that said, if this is what God wants, get out here, lads. They laid hands on them, and off they went. And then the rest of the book of Acts, Peter is not heard of so much. It's, it's amazing. If you follow it, it's Barnabas and Saul, and then it's Saul and Barnabas, or Paul and Barnabas, and then it's just Paul. Even they set off together, and at some point, Barnabas becomes number two, and Paul becomes number one. As the giftings and the call of God, the prophecy that was given him when Ananias went to him in the street called straight, God has called you to be a minister to the Gentiles and the nations. As that became obvious, we have no problem. Every assistant I've had except one has overtaken me in ministry. Not in position, in that sense, because that's, that's, that, that doesn't have nothing to do with it. You know, Kevin Pete, I notice he's coming to speak for you with Margaret soon. Will you say to him, when he finishes, you say, Gordon Neal preached that here. Because I guarantee he's stolen my notes. No, honestly, the man has no scruples at all. No, no scruples. So please, go up to him, all of you, form a line. And say, Gordon Hill preached out here. Where did you get it from? I have a great sermon. He's hammered to death in New Zealand. I can never go to New Zealand because my best sermon, he murdered. The best people. Who are the best people in the church? I haven't got the faintest idea. I'll tell you who they are. They're going to be servants before they're anything else. There's going to be people that pick up a towel and wash feet. You say, I'd like to be used by God. Quickest way to get noticed by God is to be a servant. Because God looks at you and thinks, you know what, you remind me of my son. And that's what it is. You say, well, I'm very gifted, you know, Gordon. I've got a degree in theology. Well done. Well done. Very good. My uncle was a Church of England minister he had a, a B, an MA from Trinity College in Dublin, uh, an unbelievable qualification from Trinity College in Dublin University, and he didn't believe the Bible was the Word of God. He was the vicar of Eccles. I preached to him one day. Huge church, 12 people. So we're not looking for the gifted or the talented or the... That helps. I wish I was more educated than I, I am. We're looking for people who... And then sometimes you've got to let them go. Sometimes you've just got to let them go. Was it that bad? <laughs> you went to hear Kevin Pete. You won't last ten minutes with him. You say, I'd like to be used. Pick up a towel. Do some serving. Thank you to the people that made me tea when I arrived this morning. Thank you. Thank you to the fellas out there that offered to help me across the road. <laughs> You'll need a yellow jacket when I'm finished with you. Would you like No, they were joking, but it was a good joke. He's not always been a Christian. Thank you, Car Park. Thank you, T. Thank you, whoever put the communion out. Thank you, worship team, for rehearsing so much. Just keep going with the rehearsals, lads. Just get noticed. How do you get noticed? Well, I tell you what, servanthood. 
had a young man come to me in the Derby Church. He said, God's called me to Bible college. He said, no, he hasn't. Aren't you glad I'm not your pastor? He said, why do you say that? So well, you've never come to one of my Bible studies. So what on earth are we going to waste money sending you to Bible college for? He attended my Bible studies. They weren't very good Bible studies, but they were all that was available for a year. Then he went to Bible college. Fair dues, isn't it? He wants to go to Bible college. Never get one of my Bible studies. Not happening. Not going to happen. He still likes me. He still likes me. Because he needed to hear it. Because ministry is serious. And the reason ministry is serious is the church of Jesus Christ is the most precious thing on this planet. And those of that have any say in it are not going to let lunatics loose on the church that Jesus died for. We will do our best to isolate you and put gaffer tape on you <laughs> so you cannot do any damage to his church. Antioch, its beginning was revival. Its present condition was spiritual and balanced. Its future was in releasing ministry. I hope the humor hasn't offended anybody, but too late. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I pray for this church as I pray each New Year's Sunday, which is a, a real honor and a privilege. I pray, Lord, that this coming year, we will grab our future as we've never grabbed it before. Yeah, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Gordon. Appreciation. And uh, always speaks into the heart in our lives every time that he comes, doesn't he? It's great. We just appreciate you so much. Folks, we look forward to seeing you tonight. Derby Road at 6 o'clock, we're having a night of worship. You'll notice um, in our Oasis news, the emphasis. It's great that Gordon picked up on a number of things this morning. He looked at while the church at Antioch were at worship. He said the church at Antioch were in prayer. You'll notice that in Oasis Life, you'll know that we're emphasizing this January, a night of prayer, a night of worship. This evening, we a night of worship. God speaks from his presence, and Gordon showed that from what he's been speaking on at the church of Antioch. He says that the prophets were there with them ministering to God and worship, that he speaks to them. So look forward to seeing you. So tonight as our night of worship here, so look forward to seeing you. God bless you. Have a great day. And let's stretch ahead, seeking to follow Jesus this year afresh. God bless you.